Father, we just want to thank you for this morning once again. Your word says the entrance of your word brings light. Lord, bring light into our lives. That we may see ourselves in the light of who you truly are. The perfect law of liberty. And even as we behold ourselves and obey what you have to speak to us in these last days, transform us a little more into your likeness. Impart unto us faith this morning. Stir up, O Lord Jesus, love and faith and good works. For you said, O Lord, nothing matters. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It is faith that is expressed through love that matters. And therefore this morning, anoint us. It is the anointing that teaches us. The anointing of the Holy Spirit which is able to open up and unpack your word. And take us to the depths of, of who you truly are in revelation. And knowledge and in understanding. So that we may grow in the knowledge and in the grace of God, even in these last days. And prepare ourselves, O Lord, continuously, through the ministry of the word, by the leading of your spirit, and by the obedience, O Lord, that comes from faith. To that day, O Lord, for that day, to that end I pray that you would bless us and anoint us even in the speaking and hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Arise from the dead. Hallelujah. So last uh, Sunday we heard, um, resurrection is for the dead. What a, what a statement, no? Resurrection is for the dead. So I, I'll just uh, posit today's teaching in light of one verse as to what the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead has afforded to us even as we believed in him. And we know this familiar passage. Let's look at that. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 onwards. But God who is rich in mercy because of his not ordinary love, great love, great mercy. All is great. Okay, Everything about God is Great, all right. I mean, in fact, Paul just, he just, uh, he doesn't, he runs out of superlatives to explain as to who God is. I mean, what he really feels he wants to express, he runs out of words. He, that's the reason why it's joy inexpressible, but it is full of glory. Yeah. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Okay. That is what our condition was. Made us alive together with Christ. That is when Jesus was raised from the dead. By grace you have been saved. And not only did he cause us to be raised from the dead. He gave us new births, of course, through the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse, and verse number 3 will say. But what did he do? He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. This is what has been given to us in new births. So if the resurrection is for the dead, okay, 
and if I am made alive with Christ. The obvious question that I need to ask myself, because I don't want to ask you, <laughs> I want to ask myself this question. Let's read this together. If I am living, am I still among the dead? That's the question that I would attempt to answer uh, through today's meditation. Hopefully, by the end of the of the service, uh, you're able to answer it for yourself. Okay. If I am living, am I still among the dead? And where did I get this question from? And I'm, I'm going to just, again, introduce a few more verses to you. I just want to thank God uh, for the opportunity that uh, uh, I had to go and minister in uh, North India, Jharkhand, visit our two churches, one in Ranchi and one in Jamshedpur. I mean, I had a fantastic time, really. It was uh, one amazing experience to be among God's people who are hungry and young, some of, most of them young believers, really, really on fire for God and God is doing a great work and I am really proud of uh, the pastors and my brother, especially my brother to, uh, with whom I was ordained together. We had an amazing opportunity to minister together. It was really remarkable. So I think even our pastor should have been proud of both of us, okay? <laughs> because we were like the first batch of students who graduated from GDC and who were ordained for the ministry. So it was uh, it was a unique, unique experience uh, to be able to minister together. Uh, and I mean, uh, in, during the first meeting um, in the church, you know, uh, I was—I I mean, I already uh, mentioned this in some of our teachings here. Uh, the question that I—I I mean, there are four kinds of loyalties I was talking about, right? We're talking about four kinds of loyalties: people who are fiercely loyal to God, and those are the kinds of uh, like David's mighty men, including Uriah the Hittite. Remarkable, isn't it? Uriah the Hittite, fiercely loyal. Now he's just not loyal to David. Is actually loyal to God, and and in fact he admonishes David, and 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 kind of kind of he doesn't directly speak to him, with all with all meekness and with honor and respect he, he rebukes David through the decisions that he makes for himself. That's in, that's interesting. You know, this is Uriah the who, the Hittite. You know, obviously he's not a he's not a Jew by birth. Um, and, and, and of course, if you've been following those teachings, he is Uriah the Hittite, and Hittite means the, the one who's been gripped by the spirit of fear and shame and, and terror, and he's not a Jew, but now he's been delivered from the spirit of terror, spirit of shame, okay, and now, even though he's uncircumcised, I mean, circum, uh, uncircumcised in the flesh, he's definitely uncircumcised uh, in the spirit, okay, and and therefore, you know, Romans chapter 2 applies to him and he says, if an uncircumcised person keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And will he not condemn you, <laughs> David, okay, who waxed eloquent when you saw, what's his name, Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares defy the armies of the living God? And finally, you are going to be rebuked by an uncircumcised Hittite. So, you know, the, 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 I was asking, I mean, I was just telling them the four kinds of loyalty. Those people are fiercely loyal to God and who can be entrusted, uh, with the purposes of God. Then God can entrust something to them and they will fulfill it, finish it till the last breath. Okay. They will not give up and run. So those are the kinds of loyal, lo- fiercely loyal people. Second is, of course, uh, people who are loyal, but they're not fiercely loyal, not because they don't want to be loyal, but they are like the Mephibosheth kind. 
I mean, it's interesting names that uh, Saul gives his children. Mephibosheth, Ishibosheth, you have to go and look up their names. Real ridiculous names. How can you, as a father, give such names to your children? Mephibosheth, Ishibosheth. So, anyway, so he is, they are the Mephibosheth kind who love David, who want to please David, who sit at David's table. David, a picture of Christ, and who are feeding from off David's table. But David can't trust him because they cannot prove their loyalty to him because they are lame in the spirit. Okay? They cannot be trusted, not because they don't, they're not loyal per se, but, you know, they don't have the ability to be entrusted with any kind of responsibility. So that's that the second kind, of course. And the third kind of people who are dangerous, they are what we call as perpendicular in the kingdom of God. They are neither obtuse or acute. They are right-angled. So we do not know where they fall. Okay, so suddenly, you know, all the BJP guys who did not get a ticket, suddenly they became Jay Gandhi. <laughs> Zindabad. So suddenly they've changed, you see. How come these convictions have changed over a period of time? They will say, Ambedkar Jeho. Etc. So these are the a-loyal people. They, they, are, they are neither loyal nor disloyal. They are people who will change with times, like Joab. Okay. One day he was for David when Absalom took over the throne, and the next time he is against David when Adonijah took over the throne. So these are the dangerous people. Okay. And therefore David wants him, Baba, sons of Zeruah, especially. <laughs> Mr. Joab, please be careful with him. And of course, those people are the fiercely loyal. They're also not very harmful because we know them. These are people who are fiercely are disloyal to God. And you know, one of the brothers was saying, after the service was over, he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I want to be fiercely loyal. What do I do? And I said, okay, fine, I'll answer your question in the next meeting. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 8. If I am living, am I still among the dead? Look at the question that Jesus or rather, Jesus admonishes. Matthew chapter 8. And verse number 18. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him. Jesus is not interested in multitudes. Twitter followers. YouTube subscribers. Okay. Facebook friends. What friends? Ah, Facebook friends. <laughs> okay. When you suddenly face a problem, you know who, who to go to. Right? Not Facebook people. Huh? So you have... When multitudes saw great, uh, sorry, when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave a command. Where should we go? Let's go on to the other side. This, this other side is dangerous. Who is there on the other side? We know. Who is there? Two people completely possessed by the demons. Fierce, that says the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8. In fact, uh, yeah, the very uh, end of the chapter, next chapter. Fierce, fierce. The Bible says, of course, in the last days, perilous times, fierce times will come. Okay, so we have to face these last days. Perilous times, face incredible times of of unprecedented times. We are looking, we are, we are looking at in our, in our own generation, of course. I mean, I remember, no, Babukan Estate. How many of you know Babukan Estate? Babukan Estate, that that, that rugged building it's in uh, near uh, LB Stadium, next to uh, LB Stadium. That was the day, we, I remember very vividly, somebody told us that internet came to Hyderabad. Okay, internet. Hmm? So we were all students in our college, so we wanted to know what internet was. So there was some guy, some some office in Babukan Estate where somebody had a new connection of internet and with the, the, that uh, dial-up connection, with all those stupid, stupid sounds used to make, remember? And we went fascinated. Okay. 
first time. I mean, that was like, I'm not that old, okay? Not, not, not very old. <laughs> and then, and then a couple of decades later, how things have changed? Radically, th- things have transformed. Now, generation was supposed to be five years. Now it's two and a half years. Now it's six months. Now it's actually days, 15 days. Every generation, new generation is coming. Yeah. So, fierce times are coming. Now, now we are not talking about generations. Why? Because it says people, lovers of themselves. People will be what? They will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of pleasure. And in the middle, you have all kinds of other behavioral issues or character issues. That is the reason why we have fierce times. And they're no longer inventions. They people they become inventors of evil. The invention is not a problem. The inventor is a problem. Okay. So he gave a command to depart, depart onto the other side. So on the other side, you have you have to face the coming days are going to be perilous. Before the rapture takes place, we have to go through this process of being perched through perilous times and to keep ourselves guarded and not. Those times touches, those attitudes touches. So then what happened? Then a certain scribe uh, came and said to me, teacher, I will, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Of course, if you want to understand this, we is already there in GTC Jharkhand. You can, you can possibly look at it as to what, how I dealt with this particular verse, but I want to look at the next one. This is the multitudes and one certain scribe came. Okay. Scribe. So scribe, maybe a, just a graduate from a top school, okay, all excited about Jesus, but Jesus looked at him and said, foxes are foals, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place. But then the next question, so there's, there's a next verse, which I wanted you to look at today, this, this morning. This is what it says. Then another of his disciples said to him, who's this? Of his disciples. We don't know who that disciple is. It could be any of the 12, because obviously only 12 people uh, went with Jesus. Okay, One of his disciples, another of his disciples said, he said, Lord, let me first, that's where the priority comes, right? Let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. See, in the way God looks at it, how God looks at people. There are two categories broadly. I mean, two classifications only in as far as God is concerned. The spiritually dead and the spiritually alive. Okay. Those who have been resurrected, like Lazarus, they are the people who have been made alive in Christ Jesus. So these are people who are alive in as far as God is concerned. And all the other people are people who are spiritually dead. These are the two categories. So, the question therefore he is telling his disciple, he says, let the dead bury the undead. Okay. In, our, in, in Luke's gospel chapter 9 he says, but you go and preach the kingdom. Okay. Let the dead bury their own dead. You follow me. So the question again, Am I, if I'm living, am I still among the dead? Another place. This is post-resurrection. Jesus is already risen from the dead. And uh, the, 
the, the ladies want to go and embalm Jesus' body. So they go early in the morning and this is what happens in Luke's Gospel chapter 24. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, what did they say? Why do you seek? <laughs> Again, the question, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men, be crucified, and raised on the third day. So, am I living? If I'm living, am I still among the dead. See, I want to look at how to, how to test this. The seven things which I want to look at today as to how would I know I'm either among, among the living or among the dead. I want to show you seven things today, this morning. First, there's a God of the living and therefore there's a God of the dead. Understand that, first thing. Second, there's a father of the living and therefore there is a father of the dead. Third, there is a covenant of the living and therefore there is a covenant of the dead. Fourth, there is a council of the living and therefore there is a council of the dead. Fifth, based upon this council there are the choices of the living and there are also choices of the dead. Sixth, based upon these choices, you have a company <laughs> that is living or the company which is among the dead. And finally, there's a church of the living and there's a church of the dead. I want to explain this in the light of what we heard last time. If we are raised with Christ, if we are raised with Christ, the first thing that happens to us, there is a change of God. There are gods that we were worshipping before. Now we become people who worship the true God. Let me prove this to you from scripture. This is Matthew chapter 22. Remember the Sadducees who do not believe that there is a resurrection. They come to Jesus and they pose a hypothetical question. Hmm. Alright. And after posing that question, they, they, they think that they trap Jesus and look at how Jesus answers. Incredible wisdom of God. Matthew chapter 22. And verse number 29 onwards. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. Okay. KJV uses the word in error. Other translations will use the word deceived. Other translations use the word astray. Okay. You are going astray. You are deceived. You are in error. Why? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. I mean, what an indictment. <laughs> These people who are people who are like the, the people who have literally studied the Torah over and over and over again. He says, you do not know the scriptures. Not the power of God. In fact, it says, I mean, the Sadducees are the people who only believe in the first five books of Moses, by the way. Okay, they don't believe the other parts of the Old Testament were inspired by God. They only believed in the first five books of Moses. And you know what Jesus does? Therefore, he 
only goes into the first five books of Moses and answers them the question. Look at what he says. For in the resurrection, they neither marry <laughs> nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God or the sons of God. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, ah, but the God of the living. You see, let me tell you something. There is a, people are dead in trespasses and sins. They have a God. They have actually gods. Of course, there is one God, Lucifer, under whom there are many gods. And the people who have been raised from the dead, they have only one God. That is the reason why Jesus tells the Pharisees, how can you believe who seek honor from everybody else except from the only God? That is in John's Gospel chapter 5 and verse 40 onwards. You will see that, how he confronts the Pharisees. And look at what this is. When the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. <laughs> Love that. You know, and, and if, you know, obviously where is he quoting from? He's quoting from the passage in the burning bush. He's quoting Moses, which is in the first five books of the Torah, of the gospel, of, of, of the law. Okay. So he says, you know what? God is not the God of the living, but God is the God of the dead. So if you are the son Sons and daughters of the living God, or if God is your God, what should your response be? But before I show your response, I want to show you the other side. In Ephesians chapter 2, people who are dead. Who's, who is their God? Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were where, what? Dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the what? The prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan himself. The spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. Among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Just as the others. See that? The first thing therefore that happens. When you are born again. First of all you should be sure that you are born again. Okay, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born, born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Therefore, there is a change of God. First thing, there's a change of God. You serve the living God. And he becomes now the God of the living. So if he is the living God, if God has changed, what do you do to God? So the first thing that we do when we come on Sunday morning, what do we do? Worship. (laughs) See, the highest act, the highest thing that you can ever give to anybody is worship. Okay. What we call as fellowship with men, when it, when it comes to God, it is worship. Look at what it says in Psalm 95. You know this verse very well. Oh, come, let us what? Worship and bow down. Let us Kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is what? Our God. God has changed. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Therefore what? Our allegiance is therefore only to the living God. 
Nobody else. And how do we express this allegiance in worship and in service? You see, there are two words for worship. One is proskuneo, which means to fall flat, prostrate before God. And the other word is latreia, which means to serve God. So when devil comes and says, you know what, bow down and worship me. I will give you all this because it's been given to me. You know what, how Jesus counters that? He says, you should worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So the question therefore this morning is, whom are you serving? First, let me put the order right. Whom are you worshipping and therefore whom are you serving? It's very important. See, there are only two people whom you can serve. Either you serve God or, answer the next one, option number B, self. Or yourself. Okay. But that, that is a fundamental question that we need to answer. If we have been raised from the dead, our allegiance, because this is incredible mercy of God, that's what, that's the reason why First Peter chapter 1 says, because God in His great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and therefore as living people or as resurrected people, our allegiance and our worship is only to God. Okay, understand this. So, what do we serve? Yeah, it's a Powerful passage in 1st Kings chapter 17 verse number 33. I mean, when I read that passage or rather introduced to that, that verse, you know, they feared God, but they served their own gods. I mean, incredible, isn't it? Okay. So what do they do? They fear God on Sunday. Rather, rather worship God on Sunday. From Monday to Saturday, they're serving their own gods. And again, Sunday morning they come, they fear God. You also will give your tithes. Don't ask me too much, too many questions. Okay. And then they continue their lifestyle of serving their own. I mean, I looked at that statement. I said, boy, what a powerful statement. What is a, isn't it true? Is it not true in the last, in the last days that people fear God, but they serve their own idols? Isn't that our religions? And why is this important in the last days? Because there's going to be a test. See, faith has three aspects. First of all, faith has to be proclaimed. Second, faith has to be worked out. Third, faith has to be tested. You have to profess your faith. You have to work out your faith. Otherwise, it's death faith. And the third thing, it has to be tested. And what is that test? What is faith? Actually, I mean, I, I really want to replace sometimes for my, for my own son. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this to you, but that's, that's how I replace this. Faith, I want to replace with the word faithfulness. Okay. Because the just shall live by their answer. Ah, no, no, loyalty. <laughs> the just shall live by their loyalty. Okay. Understand that. So there was a dream. Nebuchadnezzar, a type of the Antichrist in the last days. Somebody came and he had a, a terrible dream. What a head of gold, chest of silver, uh, brass and then iron and iron mixed with clay. He had his dream. And then he said he gave them the, the test for promotion. If you want to get promoted, tell me the dream. <laughs> 
and its interpretation. I mean, this, by this time, the sorcerers have got an upgrade, okay? First of all, when Joseph had a dream, Pharaoh told him the dream. Okay, so when Pharaoh told him the dream and uh, Joseph gave the interpretation, you know what all the sorcerers did? Hey, this is interesting. So let us have a catalog of dreams. Okay, and let us have a catalog of people's experiences. So statistically, we'll interpret them using artificial intelligence. Okay, what is that? Uh, yeah, statistical. We have some statistical probability within this range of error. We will come to this conclusion. That is sorcery 2.0. Hmm? From 1.0 to 2.0. But Nebuchadnezzar was 3.0. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, I know you fellows. You turkeys want to cut it, okay? You have to tell me one thing. You have to tell me the dream. <laughs> and now it's interpretation. <laughs> I'm one step ahead of you. And then he said, Ababa, this is too much. <laughs> okay. No man living is able to do this except the gods whose not who does not have their habitation with mortal men. Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, man, there's only other option. I will cut you into pieces and I will make your house into a dunghill. <laughs> and Daniel, of course, interprets the dream and he says, the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, is you. Silver is the, 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 the kingdom which comes after you. And then, of course, Greek and Romans and, of course, the last day's church. Last day's uh, ten, ten kingdoms, uh, iron mixed with clay. But of course, you know, all the sorcerers are also listening to this interpretation. And they are jealous of Daniel. Okay, and his friends, of course. Right? They are jealous of Daniel and his friends. But it's interesting what happens. They go and they do what we call as a... What is that? Psychophant symphony. Okay. O king, live for ever. And they start interpreting the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar says, you know what? I don't like the fact <laughs> that after me, somebody else is going to come. I want to live forever. So he says, make the whole statue gold. Hmm? And let them all worship me. And at the sound of music, if you do not fall and worship me, gone. It's interesting, isn't it? The three Jewish friends are there in this test. Where is Daniel? I mean, my interpretation is raptured, okay? That's just a type of the raptured church. I feel, I, this is my interpretation, okay? Don't take it and make it into a doctrine. So look at what happens in Daniel chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? <laughs> or worship the gold image that I have set up? In other words, worship me. Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made then it will be good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? <laughs> what an answer. To these people whose identity has been changed. They have been given new names for logging in. Oh, you swipe, right? <laughs> new names. Babylonian numbers. 
Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O king, we, they don't say, O king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, we'll put you in your place, okay? We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom he, whom we serve, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, or burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not. These guys know Hebrews chapter 11 verse 35, isn't it? Some got their dead from Allah back to life. Some refused seeking a better deliverance. And they refused. We will not worship. You know why? Because we are not people among the dead. We are people who have been raised from the dead. And we have allegiance only to the living God. And our God is living. And we are alive. So we worship only the living God and not your not your gods. It's going to happen. There's going to be a confrontation in the last days. Slowly things will change. I mean, it's already changed. Not slowly anymore. I mean, it's not slow anymore, my dear brothers. Not slow anymore. I'm telling you, you fill up an application form to a university in Canada. Gender. Preferred pronoun. Are you comfortable being called Mr. or Mrs.? Or you choose. Never the history. We are equal opportunity working center. I mean, whatever. No? Hiring people. We give opportunity to all people. Hmm? This is going to come in the last days. Bend or bow. Or burn. And then you know what happens? They choose the other part. Look at what happens next verse. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know why? My God is living. You know what he says? In all their afflictions, he was afflicted with them. Which God are you worshipping this morning? Who's your God? Children? Who's your God? Babylon. You know what it says? It has become a habitation of every unclean bird and habitation of demons in, in Hindi. It's very interesting. Adda ban gaya. Kiska adda ban gaya? Ashuddh pakshika. Adda ban gaya. Then whenever that word adda came to my mind, I was, I was thinking about Kishnama enclave. Apna Adda, Loyal Academy. It is the Apna Adda of the Loyal Academy people. You know what happens there? Very interesting thing happened. Some people are laughing. Huh? What do you say? Harry. <laughs> it's Apna Adda. And what happens in Apna Adda? Very interesting thing happens. Adda of every unclean bird and habitation of every demon. You know what? We are people who serve the living God and we are people who have been risen from the dead. Our God is a God we will serve and worship. If he may choose to, to, to deliver us, well and good. But you know what? On the other side, hmm, there's only glory and no shame. 
Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who sent his angels and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any God except their own God. Whom do you worship this morning? Therefore, I make a decree. You know, this guy, you can't stop him. Either this side or that side. He's full too excited. Okay. He says, now if you touch this God, gone. So what are the principles that we need to learn from this? If you are truly people who are resurrected, there's only one God whom you fear. And who is that God whom you will fear? Matthew chapter 10. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to deliver both soul and body in hell. And what is hell? The realm of the dead. The realm of the dead. So what are you doing? (laughs) If you are living, what are you doing among the dead? Who is your God? Do you fear him? Do you fear him? Do you have the fear of God? Do you really have the fear of God? You know, God is called the God of Abraham and the God of, no, no, no. What is he called? The God of Abraham, the God of Jacob and in the middle there is Isaac. What is he called? What is he called? The fear of Isaac. (laughs) The fear of Isaac. Do you fear God? Children, do you fear God? Do you really fear him? You know, one of the things that is that marked the first century church, the first church, when they submitted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers, you know what happened? Great fear came upon all of them. And what happened? Signs and wonders and miracles happened among their midst. You want signs and wonders and miracles? Bring back the fear of God into the church. Bring back the fear of God into the church. So how do you know that you fear God? The day that God tells you, you do not obey slowly. You obey immediately. Genesis chapter 22. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder. And what do we do? Worship. Whom do you fear? That is the person you will end up worshipping. So after the test is over, what does... God tell about Abraham. Next verse. Verse, 20, verse 12. Do not uh, slay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. So the first thing is a God of the living. So there's a change of God. <laughs> that means what? You do not fear anybody else. You only fear God. You respect him and you honor him. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You do not Stay at any place where there is no fear of God. The first thing when, uh, when Abraham comes into the, into, into that place where Abimelech is, he looks at that place and he says, there's no what here? There's no fear of God in this place. And the Bible says, he will make him quick in the fear of God. Who? Jesus Christ. The sevenfold anointings of the Holy Spirit. The final is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So if you are truly, truly born again, one of the things that you will have to inculcate over and over is the fear of the Lord. So there's a God of the living. Second thing, there's a father of the living. Who's there? There's a change of father. You know, he, he, he tells the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. He talk, talks about Cain, who was of the evil one. Now, what are we? We are people who are born of 
the spirit. We are children of God, born of the spirit. So if God is our father, what will he do to us? Yes, the answer is. What will he do to us if God is our father? Hebrews chapter 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. That means we are, we are sons of God means God is our father. My son, do not despise the word of the Lord, chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. So what are the two things that he will do to us if you are his sons? Chastening and rebuking. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And what does he do? Scourges. Ah. I mean, yesterday, pastor was talking about it during Q&A. God will not leave us because he's our father. But what, you know what he's going to do? He's going to discipline us all the way to heaven. I like that. Thank God. And that's the reason why Jesus, David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. <laughs> and then he says, next verse he says, good Lord, it is in your mercy, mercy and in your faithfulness you afflicted me. And it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your law and your judgments. So what does God do? Everybody says scourges. Uh, how many of you receive the scourgings of your parents? How do they look? Let me show you. Okay. By 2030, they want to end the world. There's called vision 2030. God also has got a vision. I call it vision 2030 from Proverbs 2030. Okay. Easy to remember. What is this vision 2030 that God has? Blows and wounds. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Blows and wood, what do they do? Ah, scrub. Have you seen a scrubber? You know, in Telugu, Tomuta. <laughs> you know what toming is? Lot of grease is there. Oil is there. And what is that? What is there? That black marks because of that, uh, uh, yeah, because you extra fried it is there. So what is he going to do? He's going to take a steel scrubber and the green scrubber, put soap and nicely scrub. Why? Blows and wounds, <laughs> scrub away will, and beatings, what do they do? They purge. Where? The inmost being. See, Jesus is not looking at the outward. <laughs> the ESV, just look at it in another translation. Interesting. Blows that wound. <laughs> I, I, I like the word, no? Blows that. Ah, not all blows wound. Hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Abigail, come here. Come here, baby. Come, come here, Abigail, come here. Come here, come here. Don't do it next time, okay? It's not wounding her. Ah, daddy, it doesn't mean anything. Ah. Go, go back, baby. No. You know what's going to happen next? There's going to be a spatula. Wooden spatula, okay? Wooden spatula, wooden. Okay. And after that treatment, what comes? Marks. These are blows that have wounded. What has happened? They have wounded, Baba. Actually, KJV uses the word, the blueness of the wound. It has to become what? <laughs> and means blood has clotted over there. <laughs> nice clotting has happened. So whenever you look at it, you know. Blows that wound. What do they do? They cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. And you know what David says? In the innermost parts, you want to make, make me what, know what? Truths in the inward parts. And the inward parts, you want to make me know wisdom. You want to become wise? 
inside another translation this is the this is the ken kjv our holy translation lashes and wounds scour evil and beatings cleanse the inmost parts so if you are a child of god what will you do he has got 2030 vision what is that by 2030 <laughs> okay if 2030 is what they are saying no what he wants to do he wants to cleanse us all in the inward parts because he is our what father that is how, that is how we know he is our father the way we know that he is our father he is interested in our inward reality than our outward conformity hebrews chapter 12 if you end your chastening what does god do god deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom the father does not chasten but if you are without chastening of which all of you have become partakers then you are what kind of sons actually uh, telugu uses a very powerful word it says you are of the wrong seed hmm why proverbs 13:24 whoever spares the rod everybody say that hates their children how many of you parents hate your children mhm so if you do not hate your children if you love your children what should you do what should we do don't spare the rod you see god did not spare his son what do we do to our children spare them see that he had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered and we want to give comfort to our children whoever spares the rod hates their children i mean i, I like what they do in india no mother is she loves the child no? but if he is going on the road and suddenly some car comes what does that what does a mother do first drive the child like that no right and after that oh spank the daylights out of the child both is love no beta not to should not do it next time nay shiravan say i have seen all mothers irrespective of their emotional inclination they will either use this or they will say something else they will pull and then why pulling sir so jesus also does the same thing first he pulls you out <laughs> and then that's what he did to david i put away your sin but ah the sword shall not depart from your house Because you are my son. There's a change of father. He's a loving father. He is a loving father. Because as a father, I'm interested in all my three daughters. Okay. So what do I do? I don't want to make things easy for them. You use discipline in different ways. I'm not talking about physical abuse. That is, that is extremes. i'm talking about really disciplining them for their own good isaiah chapter 14 54 verse 13 we all like this verse very much no what does it say all our children <laughs> you know what the word for taught of the lord is the word for taught is limud from which we get the word disciple discipline all our children will be disciplined discipled and taught of the lord once they are disciplined by god once they are taught of god once they have come under the you know, chastisement of god they'll become what 
they, they will have what? Great shall be the peace of our children. You know why? Because they have come under discipline. They will have peace and they will give us peace. Otherwise, they will be peace, peace. We will also be peace, peace. Hmm? So what is the end result of this? For indeed, for a few days, they chastened us as seemed best for them. But he, for our prophet, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the what? All our children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the what? Peace of our children. Peaceable fruit, fruit of righteousness by, by those who have been trained by it. That word for train is very interesting. From which we get the word gymnasium. They have gone to the gymnasium of God's discipline. Gymnasio. Okay. Nicely disciplined. The number of weights have increased. The number of books to study has increased. Is never going to reduce. First Timothy chapter 4. But reject profane and old wives fables and exercise the word. Train yourself unto godliness. For bodily training profits a little, but godliness is profitable. Therefore, all those who live, desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be felicitated. Or will suffer persecution. Okay? Not felicitated. That is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Okay? Understand this. Proverbs chapter 23 in verses 3 and 13 and 14. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Okay. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or hell, which is nothing but what? The realm of the dead. Sheol means what? Both eternal separation and also the realm of the dead. In other words, if, if they are children of God, they might be taken before their time, not fulfilling God's purpose. They are saved, but they have gone before they have finished God's purpose. I wrote this down. No? The devil flatters and then condemns. What do they do? Flatters. Are you will be like God. That is flattery. You deserve it. And after you sin, what does he do? He condemns. But what does Jesus do? Exhorts, edifies, corrects, and then comforts. First he exhorts. That is, that is what I, 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 this is what he does first. He will exhort, meaning he will warn. Then he will edify also. He will he will praise you if you are, if there are certain things which are good about you. He will he will he will call it and say, you know what? This is, these are things which are good about you. Strengthen them. He will warn us. He will exhort us. He will also correct us. And then also he will comfort us. Look at what he says in Amos chapter three and verse number two. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, what will I do? I will visit you or punish you for your. Iniquities. All the iniquities inside of you. Your formulas are wrong. Your equations are wrong. So what will I do? Make them all right. Make them all straight. How? By visiting you or punishing you or chastising you. So, if you are living, first of all, you have a God whom you worship. You fear Him. Second, you have a Father who corrects you. You know why He corrects you? Because He has made a covenant with you through his son. He's absolutely faithful to that covenant. And therefore he visits you. Okay. Understand this. This is a new covenant. Abraham was childless and God visited Abraham and he says, you know what, Abraham, 
I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Abraham says, what's the use, Lord? I don't have child. He says, come out. Look at the stars. You know what? This is how your children are going to be. And Abraham believed in God. And it was credited to him for righteousness. And then he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do one thing. To prove to you that I'm going to bring this promise to a pause. I'm going to make a covenant with you. So what does, how does he do? How does he make a covenant? He puts Abraham to sleep and he passes bit, bit, between those animals which he, which he slaughters and makes a covenant, covenant with Abraham. He enters into a covenant with Abraham. He's a God of the covenant. Now, Abraham on his part, what should he do? He also has to enter into a covenant with God. He has to have a seal. That is what we call a circumcision. Okay. It was a proof. That you have entered into God's covenant. A seal of that that you have already believed in what he has already spoken into your lives. This is something which you are doing from your part. From your side. Romans chapter 7. Look at what it says. The new covenant. How he looks at it. And we are talking about in terms of resurrection. Romans chapter 7. Therefore my brothers, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. That you may be what? Married to another. What is this marriage? It's a covenant. Okay. To him who was raised from the dead. Okay? That you should bear fruit unto God. This is, this is the new covenant. Now you're no longer married to the law. Flesh and the law were uh, unhappy marriage. Not because of the law was anything which is, uh, not that the law was bad, but the flesh was unable to keep the law and it hated the law. So what did God do? He put the flesh to death in his son. The old man was crucified in his son. And when you are risen from the dead, now what happened to you? You, the resurrected new person, is married to Jesus. The one who has been raised from the dead. You have entered into a covenant with Jesus. So if you have entered into the covenant with Jesus, there are several parts of the covenant that we have to keep. First of all, we have to keep the covenant with his servants. Very important. With whom? With his servants. A covenant with his servants. Let us look at that verse, verse, verse in Second Second Kings chapter 2. I'm going to look at it in several passages. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1 onwards. And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Eli- Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. This is a covenant. I am not going to leave you. Because I've made a covenant with you. Covenant with those people who have been entrusted or put over your life as spiritual heads. It's a covenant. Mm -hmm. It's a covenant. Covenant with the men of God. The spiritual leaders who have invested themselves into your lives. Elijah invested himself in Elisha. And now he understands this. And he says, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. Wherever you go, I'm going to come. It's a covenant. Ruth, chapter 1. Then they lifted up their voices and wept. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. You know, there's a saying in Telugu. The girl who doesn't have a daughter-in-law, or rather woman who does not have a daughter-in-law, is an excellent woman. 
and a woman who does not have a mother in law is an excellent woman or rather excellent daughter in law why there is no mother in law there is no daughter in law hmm? i mean telugu is very interesting it is a telugu saying okay atteleni kodalu uttamuralu oyamma why why is the atta so uttamuralu atta means mother in law why is she such a fantastic lady because she doesn't have a daughter in law కోడలు లేని అత్తల గుణవంతురాలు ఆహుం కోడలేని అత్త గుణవంతురాలు with our own mother oh mama wherever i'm going i'm going to come mama i'm going to come i will serve you i'll clean you up etc etc et mother in law hey your mother your mother your mother some sons in law are very they are laughing away to glory i don't know why ha <laughs> huh? you see but look at what what look at one daughter in law to two daughters in law one daughter in law one daughter in law said you know i want to come with you mama 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 she started crying mama 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 okay this ma business is dangerous baba <laughs> okay kissed and she went away in turning away what did she do in turning away what did she do my dear brothers look at what it says Naomi says look your sister in law has gone back to her people to her gods mm-hmm. the only face or other hope for you for eternal life is this one defeated believer Naomi return after her. you know what she says this is a covenant with her spiritual head what is a covenant with a spiritual head look at what he says but ruth said do not entreat me to leave you please do not entreat me i don't want to go back to those dead gods those dead relationships I made a covenant with you. I want to make I want to end I don't know I don't know about your god. I know only about you. I've seen a glimmer of hope in you. There's something inside of you even when you lived in Moab. You didn't somehow it's it felt that you didn't belong here. Albeit it was a a defeated testimony. Regardless of the fact that it was a defeated testimony, it was a testimony. entreat me not to leave you therefore or turn back from following after you why york see this is this what i'm sorry your god you know that verse right i think i just overshot that verse yes your god my god your people my people where you die i will die where you bury i will bury till death to us part you know what jesus and you know what the bible says when she saw that she was determined did you make a covenant 
Did you make a covenant? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not com- if you're not making a covenant, there's a covenant of the living. If it is not a covenant of the living, what is there on the other side? Covenant of the what? Dead. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 28. Your covenant with death will be annulled. There's a covenant on the other side too. There's a covenant. Because you have not completely cut off. You know, let me tell you something. This is what we have, what I have learned in all these years, being walking with the Lord and being uh, for a limited time in the ministry. This is what I've learned, no? There are certain covenants that you make with the other side before you come to the Lord. What is it? It's a covenant. Unless and until you confess and renounce it. You know what's going to happen? Those covenants will have a hold over your life. It's a covenant with death. I mean, I remember Pastor James telling us, no? He said, you know what, Vijay? I baptized these believers. I baptized these brothers. They were excellent, precious brothers. But everything they told me, they, they, they told me about the money that they stole. They told me about the library books they stole. They told me about everything that they stole. But they did not tell me about the fact that they were Freemasons, FMs. I baptized them. A covenant. A covenant with death. They have not renounced it, my dear brothers. You know what's going to happen? It is going to haunt you. It's got the long arm of Satan. It's going to come after you. It's a curse. Therefore, enter into a covenant with men of God. When you enter into a covenant with people, honestly, there's no other way to do this. There's no other way to do this. Who will mentor you and treat and teach you. Look at what it says in Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. On that day, they read from book of Moses in the hearing of the people and it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God because they had not met the children of God, children of Israel, with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. But what happened? However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the law that they separated themselves from the mixed multitude from Israel. In other words, they cut it off. All those covenants, they broke it off. But you know what happened? In those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah. <laughs> In other words, they can sing all the movie songs, but no songs of Zion is coming out of their mouths. But spoke according to the language of one or the other people. And he was really upset with them and you know, Nehemiah is, this is not gonna hold back, right? He just plucked their beard and slapped them and he cursed them, etc. I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> recommend this, that, 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 that kind of a, <laughs> uh, what do you say, solution. But I would like to be the Ezra kind, no? Ezra the scribe kind, who wept when he heard things like this happen. But the point is this, the worst thing happened. Look at what it says. Goes on. And one of the sons of Joeda, who's this Joeda? The son of Elisha, and who's this guy? The high priest was the son in law, <laughs> look at this, of Sanbalan the Horonite. 
Therefore, I drove him from me. I remember them, O oh my God, and because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. They defiled. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be very careful when you get into covenants, especially marriage covenants. Dangerous! Lamb of God. If he's the Lamb of God, he's going to marry a who? What is he going to marry? Whom is he going to marry? Lamb. Lamb will marry? Lamb. Okay. Fox will marry? Uh, what is the female for fox? Vixen, huh? Okay, vixen. Okay. Fox will marry vixen. So Herod will marry? Herodias. That's very, very absolute. I mean, it's very straightforward. So even if he doesn't find a Herodias, he will pull from somebody else and says, you take it easy, I will marry her. Okay. So that's exactly what happens, no? Even like I was telling uh, the church in Jargon, I said, you know, they will come to the pastor and they will say, pastor, pastor, pastor. I found this girl. Perfect pastor. Good family, educated. Hmm? You know, traditional. Traditional, we, we know what traditional is. No? Lamba jada, etc. But, you know, that but is a different thing. In, in, in Hindi, there is a word, no? Kintu. Parantu. That kintu parantu is dangerous, no? So what will happen? Okay, pastor also, okay, okay. This girl, okay, fine. Just bring her to church. No, who's this lady, Baba? She wears skimpy out, outfit. Okay, on normal days. And uh, this guy will tell the, the lady and says, you know what? I have to introduce you to my pastor. So next time you come to church, you have to dress well. So she, he dresses her up. And this time she wears, you know, long clothes, flowing robes, etc. She almost looks like a curtain. You know, in, 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 in Hindi it is called parda. What is it called? Mm, parda or veil. Hmm? So she, had, she has put on a veil. She comes to church. But you know what? Man who has discernment, he's able to look through the parda <laughs> and is, is able to see the vixen. <laughs> and you make, you enter into a covenant with this person, gone. That is the reason why we warn young people. Protect you. I'll tell you, no, if your father is a godly man. What did I say? Father is a godly man. Until and unless your father approves, don't marry that person. There are two men in your life. Your father and your pastor. Important. Young children, girl or boy, in the multitude of counselors, what is there? Safety. Second Corinthians, I'm not saying this, Baba. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? I told you, you know, only two categories. I told you, either spiritually alive or spiritually dead. Communion light with darkness. What accord? Can you play the accordion with Christ and Belial at the same time? It is going to be cacophony. 
This guy called Cacophonics. He's the bard in Asterix. What is he? He's always making terrible sounds. Hmm? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the what? Of the living. So what is the living doing among the dead? If, do you have a covenant? Break those covenants. There's a covenant. Make covenants with men of God. Covenants with men of God. Enter. I'll tell you something. This is so important. Spiritual leaders enter into covenants. Like, like you know, Joshua is never going to let go of Moses. God has to kill him <laughs> so that he can move him to the next level. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I like that, no? <laughs> Elisha is not going to let go of Elisha. God has to take him. <laughs> Enter into covenants. Another covenant that you need to make. Psalm 50, verse 13. Gather my who? Ah, my sanctified ones together. Why are these people, why are they sanctified? Because they have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That is the reason why in Psalm 16 it says, the saints who are in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. You know, brother, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't like to fellowship with, uh, with brothers. I don't have spiritual friends, uh, Christian friends. Whom do you have, Baba? Whom do you have? I mean, it's interesting that you are living, but you have dead friends, spiritually. Okay, in other words, what, why is that friendship? Because you have the same thing, everything, you're like, you're exchanging ideas, you're giving ideas, you're taking their ideas, you're taking the suggestions, you're giving suggestions, etc. There's an interaction that is going on. There's a transaction which is going on. What is, what are you doing there? It's a covenant. You make a covenant with the body. There are people who have made a covenant with sacrifice. So you know what? You want to stick to one another. They are saints. They are sanctified ones. It's a covenant of the living. Another covenant. Job 31 verse 1. I made a covenant with my... I like that. I made a covenant. Who is this Baba? Who is this Baba? This man is the one in the Old Testament Baba. Look at this man. I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully at a young woman. I mean, I like the exhortation that Paul gives Timothy, right? He says, elder men treat them as fathers. Elder, uh, young, young men treat them as brothers. Elder women treat them as mothers. And then, younger women treat them as sisters. And then, somebody said something. With all purity. I will like that. No, I, I, sometimes if I, if I was Timothy, I would have read that and I said, Paul, why did you write this to me? I was with you all these days. Didn't you know me? Is this essential? Is it important for you to mention this? It's an exhortation, Baba. It's a warning. Keep yourself here. It's a warning. 
You see, it's very interesting. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your ear causes you to, I mean, sorry, if your hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Cut it off. And he says, it is written that thou shalt not commit adultery, but if anyone lusts after a woman in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her. Therefore, if your eyes causes it. So what is the problem? Your eye? Is your eye a problem? If your hand the problem? Your leg the problem? What is the problem? Ah, somebody said something. The heart is the problem. The heart, the heart, the heart. Otherwise in the church everybody will be, will be, will be, will be with one eyes and only torsos and you know, I don't know. All amputated <laughs> bodies in the church. The heart is a problem. See, that is the reason why the law of the Lord has to be written in the heart. Romans chapter 6. Let me show you that. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. Now, this is interesting. As being what? Alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness. Understand this. So, this is a covenant that you are making with God. Lord, I want to make a covenant. With my spiritual leaders. I want to make a covenant. With my saints. I want to make a covenant. With my body. It's a covenant. It's a covenant of the living. This is a new covenant. The proof. That I made a covenant with you. Is that I am joined to your body. Do you understand that? The proof. That I made a covenant with you. Is that I am joined to the. That is the reason why God tells Hagar, Hagar, where are you coming from and where are you going? Oh, you do not know my master. It troubles me too much. <laughs> do one thing. There is only one place of faith and you are running away from that. Go back and submit yourself to your mistress. So, these are all principles, my dear brothers. Understand this. So, if you are living or dead, how do you know? You fear God. You understand, come under the discipline of God and you enter into a covenant with God. So once you enter into the covenant with God, what you receive from God is what? Counsel. See, everybody say that? The counsel of the land. You see, unless and until people were baptized in the Old Testament, in the, in the first century church, they repented of their sins and then they were baptized. How did they get baptized? Paul said, I'm sorry, Peter said, Save yourselves from this untoward and perverse generation. Those who, ah, everybody, gladly received the word were baptized. In other words, they were, they entered into a covenant. And once they entered into the covenant, they continued steadfastly for what? For the apostles doctrine, for fellowship, for breaking of bread and for prayers. You see that? The instruction comes later. Once you have to enter into a covenant, you see? Unless and until you enter into a covenant, you will not understand anything. You will not have any revelation about God. You will have good ideas about God, but you will truly not know Him because you have to understand God and it's only possible through a covenant. So break off all the covenants that you made with the dead. Enter into a covenant with your spiritual head. Enter into a covenant with the body that you are a part of. Enter into a covenant with your own, with your own body. 
so that not only will you live a life of purity, you will also be an example to others. You will not cause others to stumble. Okay. Then, what happens to the next? Once you enter into a covenant, you have what we call as counsel or direction from God. Now, what God is able to do, He's able to write His law on the tables of your heart through the ministry of the word. What is he able to do? He is able to write your, his law on the tables of your heart through the ministry of the word. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Look at, look at this. Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 2 onwards. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all, or all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. You see that? You are the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, not written with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of the flesh, that is of the heart, and we have such trust through Christ toward God and toward you as well. So what does, it, what, what does God do? He starts to write his law. He starts to change your heart. I'll tell you something very important. You see, there are two things, you know, in a, in a, in a computer, there's, a, there's what we call as a hardware and there's a software. What is the hardware? It's the motherboard and the chips and everything. But what is the most important for the computer? It's not just the hardware. The software. Can you see the software? No. The hardware is your brain. Everybody can see your brain. What is the software? Is your mind. What is that? A mind. Mind is something which is massless. It's shapeless. So God has to install what we call as the operating system, first of all. Change your default settings. You know, there are two kinds of memories. You know what it is, right? ROM and RAM. What is ROM? Read-only memory. What is read-only memory? Permanent. It's default settings of your computer. It is burnt into your computer using the hardware. So what does God have to do? First... Take this fellow out, <laughs> the heart of stone, and give you a new heart and burn new default settings. Give you a new heart, which is inclined towards God, which loves God, which has inclination towards God, which has inclinations towards His word, which has inclinations to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He has to give you that. That's an inclination. And then what has he to do? What is he supposed to do? He has to write his software, his own ideas, his own words on the tables of our mind. So what does he do? Through the ministry of the word, he begins to transform our mind. So that you may know that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is what? The perfect will of God. The three things. Three things are important. The good, the acceptable and the perfect. Unless and until your mind is transformed, you will not know that this is good. Unless your mind is transformed, you will not know that this is perfect or acceptable. You have to. The mind has to be transformed. And what happens in the computer after you install your, you have a hardware, you install a software, you also install something else also. What do we call as what? To protect your computer. What do we have? Antivirus. Right? Antivirus. Why antivirus? Because there are doctrines of demons and deceitful spirits going on. So you have to protect your system against this. It's like this. You know, your body is there. Okay. Your body is there. There are germs all around. Okay. Your immune system has to be strong. That is what we call as antivirus inside of you. To reject all these viruses outside. Sometimes you have viruses in your system. And you don't even know the symptoms. What we call as asymptotic. <laughs> My goodness. what Asymptomatic. Not asymptotic. Asymptomatic. Diseases. You don't even have the systems, but it has uh, symptoms. It is there. So, 
So right from childhood, what do they do? They give you what? Vaccines, no? Vaccinations to have, what is that? Antivirus, to boost up your immune system so that you can fight away all these viruses. And then what, what, what does you also do? No, you don't have to keep on being worried about sickness. Walk in health. Right? Don't be worried about sickness. Walk in health. Otherwise, you keep on being worried about sickness. You become a hyper hypochondriac. Hypochondriac? Yeah? You're always thinking about, oh, if I touch this, if I touch... No, walk in health. Wash your hands. Clean yourself. Exercise, the, exercise well. Keep your body healthy. Eat well. Don't eat too much of oil. Don't eat too much of red meat, etc., etc., etc. Eat a lot of greens. Already so many people's faces have fallen. Yeah? How can we do without oil? Telugus. Oil has to flow. Okay? Ah, the layer of oil has to flow. How can we live without non-veg? It has to be red. Extremely red. Hmm? So we have all our choices. But you know what? If you really, really want to enjoy good health, eat well, exercise well, you don't have to worry about this. Similarly, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Walk in purity. And all these things will not touch you. Walk in health. Exercise yourself into godliness. Think on what I've already said. Change your mind. So that when all these ideas and all these demonic thoughts are coming to you, you're able to reject them because you have a standard which is the word of God inside of your heart. Mm -hmm. See? This is what we call as counsel. I want to be free from sin. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Where God has to burn the truth inside inside of our heart. And he does that in the New Testament if you believe. That is the reason why he says, if I by the finger of God what drive out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what is the finger of God? It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. Because in the same other, other place in, in the gospel of Matthew, he says, if I through the spirit of God drive out demons, what has come? Truly, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So there are so many negative ideas all around the world. How do you resist them? By filling yourself with the truth of the word of God. Not only just filling yourself, but obeying and writing them. See, if you hear, you get something. If you hear and write, okay, a little more is got. But if you hear and write and practice, you know what happens? It becomes a part of you. That is what we call as burning. That becomes your default setting. Otherwise, you know what happens? You hear the word of God and you deceive yourself because you forget what you already heard. But put it into practice so that it becomes a part of you. Practice it over. He who practices righteousness is righteous. So make it a practice. Okay, so Romans chapter 6, this is what it says. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? Yes, I made a covenant with God. I uh, offered the instruments of my God, uh, of my body as instruments of righteousness. How do I overcome sin? You are the ones, slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Look at what it says. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart 
that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. That means what has happened now? This doctrine has become a part of you. You have started to think the way God wants you to think. You have what we call the, as the mind of Christ. That's the reason why the Bible says, arm yourself with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has what, what has he done? He has seized from sin because Christ also suffered in the flesh. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Make this a part of your thinking process. Let it burn. Let the word of God be burnt in your system so it become a part of the way you think, your default setting. Okay? That is how you become free. Set free from sin. And you become what? Slaves of righteousness. So first, you have the God whom you fear. Second, you have the Father whom, who chastises and corrects you. Third, you made a covenant with him. Fourth, you received the counsel from him. And fifth, based upon this counsel, now what do you do? You begin to make what? Choices. The choices. Okay. The choices that you make will determine whether you are living or whether you are dead. The choices. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Very beautifully. We know this verses very well, no? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 14 onwards. But the word is very near to you. Where now? In your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now you have done it. Right? Once you have done it, it has become a part of you. See. <laughs> I have said before you today, life and death, good, death and evil. In that, I command you today to love the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes. So what should you do? Choose. You make a choice. You make your choice. How do you make a choice? Depending upon the counsel that you received. Understand this. Therefore, don't leave the place of counsel. Don't leave the place of warning. It's a covering. And what is covering? Covering is essentially the counsel that you receive. It's a protection that you have, that God has placed around you. Don't leave that place. Okay. Genesis chapter 13. Famous example. Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. Interesting, no? Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt. How how does he look at it? The garden of the Lord? Like the land of Egypt? As you go towards Zohar. I I remember that statement, Pastor Man, no? You look at the land, but you forget the who? The people. Forgot. So conveniently. You look at the land, but you forgot the people. You don't consider what kind of people are there. What do you have in Sodom? Fullness of bread. Abundance of idleness. And you do not strengthen the arm of the needy. And what is there? Pride. Full of pride. And what do you have people? People are not, they are full, interested only in making merry and living a comfortable life. The Lord chose for himself. Now, he looked at it and the Lord, and then Lord chose for himself. All the plain of Jordan and Lord journeyed east. And this is the, I mean, deadly part. And they separated from each other. The very source of life. 
separated. How many have you not seen? People make their choices. You are making choices, my dear brothers. Why are you making the choice? Why? What has inspired you to make this choice? Why? How long should I be like this? Can't have anything of my own. Can't have anything of my own. That's what happened to the prodigal son. And ultimately what has happened? My son is what? Dead. I'm here, I have to be always, you know, under Abraham. There, I will get promotion. As to what? I will be at the gates of Sodom. (laughs) Promotion. (laughs) Let me tell you now, if you're being sent, let the elders lay their hands upon you and send you. That will be one of the most incredible experiences I've seen. You know, when to Jharkhand, I see Eric, you know. I'm really, really proud of that guy. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just, my heart is overjoyed when I see the kind of work he's doing. The kind of fruit he's got in the mission field. You know how we were sent? Laid hands and sent. Of course, he's a part of us. That's how you should, you should be sent. The church fasted and prayed in Antioch. And they got a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I don't know what, what it was. It says, Holy Spirit said through the word of knowledge, it said, separate unto me who? Paul and Barnabas. You know what they did? They fasted and prayed. They laid their hands upon him and they sent him. That's how you should be sent. There's so many people who just go. They just went. They were never sent. It's interesting, no? It's like this, no? Why? When you go go away like that, without being sent, for a, for a season you will run. Like, 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 like Lord ran. He was successful. He was close to Sodom. Then he was in Sodom. And God sent him a warning. What was the warning? The attack of the five kings. He was taken as captive. He was, he was driven away. I mean, he was taken away. And then who has to come and rescue him? The man who was living in the promised land. He came and rescued him. Did he not learn his lesson? Look how strong the world is inside of him. And what, where does he go back to? Back to Sodom. It's dangerous. I mean, at least Madam Lord should have said, no. I mean, at least she should have said, you know, we should not leave Ayagaru, you know, be, let us be a part of it. We learned our lessons. Let's go back. No. No, I should follow my husband wherever he goes. Not in such stupid circumstances. You can actually talk to him and put some sense into his mind. Adarsha, Saho, Emery, Bharya. No, don't have to be like that. You can talk to him and say, why are we doing this? 
We made these choices and look at, look at where these choices have taken us. Now all, we have got our hands burned, we have lost everything and if it were not for your uncle who is a spiritual man, would not be rescued. But then again, you go back. Like the dog goes back to its vomit. Think about that. It's not dangerous. Now where is he? Now next promotion he gets. He becomes an elder in Sodom and he is at the gates before judgment. Because of the choices that you make. If you stay in the promised land, there might be a lot of testing and trial. But you know what happens through it all? You're able to train some people. Train people. 318 trained soldiers who are born in his own household who are at his command. How many people do you have, Lot? At least your sons-in-law, were you able to save them? No. Think about it, no? Esther goes into the palace. By the time she spends six months in the palace and she gets a word from Mordecai and Mordecai admonishes him, her, she says, you know what? You fast, my maidens and I will fast. How? Within six months you have a bunch of people who are fasting and praying with you? Already you mentored them? You see? That is what happens when you're sent your fruit. You just go. You'll not have fruit. I look at Eric and looked at it and I saw the kind of fruit he has birthed through his ministry. It's amazing. People are hungry for the word. Who oh, take correction. <laughs> you can call them anything and they will not get offended. Especially though his young, young, young team, no, he's got. You know why? Because he was sent. Don't just go without being sent. I heard one minister, no, from a different country. We have, we were having lunch together. No, he was telling me how difficult it is to find loyal, faithful ministers of God. You invest into their lives. You spend a lot of time with them. After a while, they will come and say, you know what? My season with your ministry is over. What? God is changing my course. You know what? These are hirelings. They are not ministers. It's like this, you know, what do you want to be a, 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 a priest of one family or do you want to be the priest of a whole tribe? Pastor of one church or a bishop of ten churches? See that? Be sent. Come under authority. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Just don't go. Be loyal wherever you are. Otherwise, you'll pay a terrible price like Lot with a, with a, that happened with his family. You know, you, you need to understand something, no? Think about it, no? I'm, I'm, I was, I did my B.Tech in Usmania. Okay? I graduated from Usmania. After graduating from Usmania, my parents are, they were really, really ambitious. I mean, they, I mean, I was also ambitious. Okay? They said, you know what? Go to the next stage. So, one, one, from Usmania University, Graduation, if I graduated from Usman University, I don't want to go back to Zilla Parishad. Am I right? ZPS. Okay, next stage, God sent me to IIT. So my father came from one spiritual level to the 
I mean, not spiritual level, sorry. One, one academic level to the next. Okay. After MTech, uh, master's is over, from master's to where? Yeah, can, can not, not any Indian university, American, Canadian university. So he came to my visa office. He sent me. Mera beta, kuch ban gaya. So one from one spiritual stage, oh, sorry, one from one academic state to the next academic state. So even when you are moving, how should you move? Huh? From, from a place where they're speaking and teaching you fantastic stuff to a lower place? Where will you go? From one spiritual level to the next spiritual level. No, if you, th- you think about it, no? This is how I, I evaluate this, no? If a person has really, really grown, okay, and he's not able to handle, I mean, I'm not able to handle his, you know, his anointing. You know what I'll say? And the person says, you know what, pastor, the Lord is leading to another place. You know what I will do? Where are you going? Which church do you want to be a part of? First question I'll ask. Uh, this particular church. Okay. That means that man of God, powerful man of God, much more anointed than I am. It's a good church that you'll be a part of. You'll grow in the Lord more. So what I'll do, if, if, if it were possible for me, I will hire a Mercedes Benz and I will take you and, and drop you there. Because I'm not able to handle your anointing. This, this man, he's, he's grown. He's go to the next stage. Not from Jerusalem to Jericho. I mean, a lot of people make these choices. Are you going to a next higher level or a lower level? I mean, do you know Jacob's ladder? Right? Well, who is the ladder? Who is the ladder? Christ is the ladder. And what is, what is there on the ladder? Angels of God. Who are angels of God? Servants of God. Who bring you the word of God? What should they take you? They should take you from one spiritual level to the next. So where are you going, madam? Back to Sodom. Choices people make. I cannot reiterate this enough. Because after a while, the, the, the results will not be instantaneous. Because the choices that you make, they'll have effects. And not only for your generation, but for the generations to come. In the process, you're going to become, you're going to, you're going to be a, a person who's been responsible for birthing Moab and Amnon, who's going to be a thorn on Israel's side for the rest of their generations. Why do you want to be like that? Choices, my brothers. They have eternal consequences. Once you have made a choice, be very careful where you're going. Because it is not just you who is responsible now. God has given you a family. You should be very careful. That's it. Just an admonition as an elder brother. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain of, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against God. You see that? Choices. So one of the things that you need to learn to do is to say no to so many things. I would rather stay with this man in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the promised land and I will handle all these str- struggles because through these struggles I will grow rather than leaving him and destroying my life. Mm-hmm. So, you are the God of the living. You are the father of the living. There is a covenant of the living. There is a council of the living. 
And based on the counsel, you have the choices of the living. And finally, the choices, what do they define? They become, they define the company of the living or of the dead, depending upon which choice you make. Look at what happened to Lot. The choices that he made, what happened to him? Second Peter chapter 2. And he delivered righteous Lot. Who was what? Oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous. Why do you need this torment, Baba? Why? Why, why, why? Are you able to influence them? No. They are on the contrary. Not They may not have influenced you so much. But they have influenced the next generation. You probably had a spiritual strength to ward off this. But not your children. Jeremiah chapter 15. This is how the Lord responds to Jeremiah. If you return to me, I will restore you. So you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than the worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. They should not influence you. Why? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. What is that? First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company, what does it do? Corrupts. Good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak to your shame. So understand this. There are choices. Once you, and let, let me tell you something, no? Everything in the kingdom of God, you make the choices as a result of those choices. This is what, where you are and what you are. You cannot fool yourself. What you are today are the results of the spiritual state that you are in, are a result of the choices that you have made. Nothing is random in the kingdom of God. You go to Sodom. You make a choice like that. You go to a place where there is no challenge for you to live a godly life. No support. No word of God to propel you. No faith to back you up. No counsel to warn you or to exhort you. What happens? It's a natural consequence that you will go into captivity and you will lose your next generation. My brothers and sisters, let us not be deceived. There is a price to be paid. We are parents. We are elders in the church. So we have to make a choice. Not only for our sakes, but for our children's sake. That is the reason why, you know what Jesus says? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And for their sake, what do I do? I sanctify myself. Does he have to sanctify himself? Absolutely not. Not necessary. He's already the sanctified one. But for their sakes, he will sanctify. It's very interesting, no? If you read the gospel according to Matthew, it says, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, if your eyes causes you to sin, you know, cut it off, etc. Plug it off. Remember? And in the context of adultery, he's talking about. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, children, if anyone causes even one of these little children to stumble, may a milestone be around his neck and let, let him be drowned. And in that context, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, pluck it out. In other words, your choices should not become reason for stumbling for your children. TV may not affect you, but it will definitely affect your children. So what do you do? Check out the television from your house. Make a choice for your children. 
Make a choice. Make godly choices for your children's sake. Because ultimately, we as parents will be held accountable. Not only for our decisions, as to how our decisions impacted our children's life. Okay. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Evil company. Hmm. Corrupts good habits. Not the other way. There's no reverse osmosis that is happening. Okay? This is not RO. Living or dead. Let's move on. So the God of the living, you fear him. The father of the living, come under his chastisement. You make a covenant, enter into the covenant with this living God. Take the counsel of the living. Make choices of the living. Choose the company based on those choices. And and finally, you know what? Be a part of the church. Which is What is this? It's a support structure which enables you to live this life. What is this? A support structure which enables you to live this life. First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. Look at what it says. These things I write to you. Verse 14 onwards. Though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, write, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Which is what? The church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of truth. This is a structure. This is the environment that you build so that you can support this life. A pillar and the ground of truth. Where God's word is exalted. Where God's word is preached. Not their own ideas, my dear brothers. Not fantastic ideas that come to our mind. Not to titillate our senses. Because in the last days, people will be there who will not endure sound doctrine. They will not, they will want to heap for themselves teachers. That is the reason that Paul says, you know what? You have many teachers, but you have only one father. And you know what he says? I go through labor pains again so that I might birth Christ inside of you. The one thing that you can't tell your wife, no? When she's going through labor, honey, I understand completely what you're going through. She will give you one slap. You have no... <laughs> one thing, this is the advice I gave to one of my co-brothers. I said, which I, any advice? I'm having twins. I said, one thing, don't tell your wife, honey, completely understand what you're going through. You know what? On the contrary, Paul, he is a what? A bachelor. He completely understands what a woman is going through. You know why he said what he says? I go through labor to birth Christ. And therefore he has the authority to write to sisters and to brothers. You know what he says? I birthed you in Christ Jesus. It's an environment, my dear brothers. It's a pillar and ground of truth. Not our ideas. Not our thought prejudices. The pure word of God. That is the reason why what we do, we compare scripture with scripture. Spiritual things with spiritual things. So that you know what we are indeed speaking. In letter and in spirit is the word of God. And if you are a spiritual man, you will be able to understand all these things. You will be able to judge it. So what happens when you prepare the structure? What happens when you prepare the structure? Revelation chapter 3 gives you a contrast. Revelation chapter 3 and this is, this is, this is verse number 1 onwards. And to the angel of the church in Sardis. I like the word Sardis. You know what word Sardis means? The red ones. <laughs> the red ones. There are two connotations. Red. Who is the red, red fellow in the Bible? 
Edom means who? Esau. And who is the red one? Again in the Bible, it also, it has two connotations. One is Edom. The other is the person who gets red with anger. Who is that person? Cain. The red ones. Look at what God has to warn this church. Okay, These things I say to you, uh, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. No? What does seven stand for? Perfection or completeness. Okay, that is the reason I have seven points all the time. Okay, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Why are you dead? What is the reason I'm 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 saying that you are dead? What is the evaluation? My evaluation is this: be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that you are that are ready to die. For for I have not found your works what perfect or complete before God. That is the reason why. Why are you dead? Because there's nothing which is complete. You start. You know, what is what is the problem with with the pastor in Sardis? He starts something, and he says, "I'm changing. God is changing my seasons. He's taking me some, some, somewhere else. He'll leave it and start something else. Everything is half done. There's no completeness. There's no maturity. Hebrews chapter six. Look at what it says." Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to maturity or perfection. In other words, this is a church which is propelling people towards greater levels of spiritual maturity. Okay? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgments. And this we will do if God... Notice this. And this we will do if God... In other words, to go to the next stage... God has to permit. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. I have a daughter. Hmm? Three daughters now. I teach them, let's say. I test them. Can I go to the next level? No. What should you do? First go through the test. If you fail, what do you do? Repeat the entire thing until you are perfect and then what do you do? You go to the next level. That is the church. Which will teach you and teach you the same things over and over again until you go to the next level. <laughs> Pastor, you have taught this so many times in so many contexts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why am I teaching you again? Why? Uh-huh. Because God is not perfecting us. Understand that? This we will do. First Corinthians chapter 2. I'll give you another example. However, we speak the wisdom of God to those who are mature. You understand? If you want to understand the wisdom of God, you have to become mature. That is what you come, you go from a, a soulish condition to a spiritual state. Now you're not able to just, you're not only intellectually analyzing the word of God, you're able to discern what the Lord is able to speak to you and you're able to discern the will of God. Okay. Understand this. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's see this one verse. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12 onwards. By, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who is partakers of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or what? Mature. What are these people? Those who by reason of use of their senses have exercised to discern both what? Good and evil. They have come to the point. They are endeavoring. They are, they are, 
they are they are cooperating with god until they are coming to a point of full age god can entrust something into their hands first thessalonians chapter 5 let us look at this again first thessalonians chapter 5 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you how how much ha ah, completely and that you may your whole and may your whole spirit not just part of your spirit whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the lord this is perfection what when we talk about perfection we're not talking about sinlessness no 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 you're talking about blamelessness and increased sensitivity to the will of god and to the sin in your own heart understand that that is maturity okay otherwise you'll be half constructed houses and that will not bring glory to god luke's gospel chapter 14 and lest after he has laid the foundation and he is not able to finish all who seek begin to mock him saying this man began but he is not able to finish so what should we do we should people we should be people who will finish and not just begin it's important how we finish finish the task that god has entrusted into our hands mature so this this morning we looked at seven things he is the god of the living the father of the living so we serve him and fear him he is the father of the living that we we come under his correction and his discipline and we enter into a covenant and we covenant ourselves to living a life that is pleasing to him and in order to do that we come under his counsel and based upon the counsel we make choices and based upon those choices we choose our company and finally we become a part of the church or a structure which enables us to complete what god has started in our lives otherwise we will have a reputation that we are alive but we are what dead we are not complete we have to finish everybody has a race the moment you have entered into christian life you have entered into a race it is not important how you begin the race but it is important how you finish the race and therefore we have to finish what god has started in our lives therefore bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling it doesn't stop there because it is god who works in you to will and to do his pleasure both ways take hold on to that which christ has already taken hold of you finish what god has started young young brothers and young sisters don't just start something and don't finish it count the cost before you start anything and finish it whatever has been entrusted into your hands otherwise they'll be full of half constructed houses half constructed lives and those will not bring glory to us nor to our heavenly father so this morning let's stand and make a covenant with god
You see, the choices that we all make, but once we made those choices, we are free to make choices, but we are not free to choose the consequences. Every choice will have a consequence. But God in his word already warns us. He preempts. He shows us. And he says, don't oppose yourself. In opposing me, you don't oppose me, you oppose yourself. It's remarkable that if you don't receive the counsel from God, there could be a, there could come a point in your life where the Lord will not speak to you. The Bible says the Lord did not speak to Saul either through prophets or through the Urim or through dreams. And then the very next moment, seeing that God is not speaking to him, he did not humble himself. He immediately started consulting mediums. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 28, 8 and verse 18, Should not my people seek God? Why do they seek mediums and spirits and wizards? The dead on behalf of the living. A man who was solemnly warned. A man who was given chance after chance. But he never come, came under the discipline of God. The Bible says, he who is disciplined many times and does not learn his lesson will be suddenly cut off and that without remedy. This morning, we are free to make choices. But we are not free to choose the consequences of our choices. Therefore, let us ask God for wisdom. The Bible says, do not trust in yourself. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. The Bible says you will hear a voice behind you directing you take this way and that way. Because you have obeyed Him. You have honored Him. And in every decision you consulted him. And you never made a choice without counsel. Lord, this morning, you're warning us, you're teaching us. Lord, I pray that we will not be like Lot. Choose foolishly. We do not want to choose with our understanding. We don't want to choose with our emotions. We don't want to choose because there's prosperity. Temporal gain. We want to make choices, Lord, for ourselves and for our children. We can only make choices for ourselves, Lord, individually. And maximum to for, for our families. Like Joshua, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he made this statement, choose yourself this day. Whom will you serve? Choices matter. 
a lot of choices be determined by the counsel that we have received. The eternal counsel of God. The old ancient paths which have been proven to be true. Generation after generation. He, he himself said in his word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will abide forever. And he who does the will of God will abide forever. And may it be said about us, David fulfilled the intention and the purposes of God in his generation before he rested with his fathers. Because he was a man who took counsel. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, there were times that he fell. But he came under the chastising of God. And he said, Lord, I thank you for your chastisement. Some of us are going through it. But don't lose heart. The Lord loves you. And if you endure chastening, it will yield the peaceful, peaceable fruit of righteousness if you are trained by it. So let, let the Lord train us through this process of disciplining. It's a man who was in the wilderness, who was trained through a lifestyle of discipline. John the Baptist for 30 years in the wilderness. Was disciplined by God. And the Bible says, the word of God circumvented everybody and reached him in the wilderness. And everybody came to him to receive, to, to hear as to what God has to speak to that generation. This morning, Lord, we want to make a covenant, O oh Lord, to the best that we know how. With you. Because we don't want to be among the among the dead anymore. You've raised us up together and seated us together with you in Christ Jesus. Therefore, O oh Lord, we don't want to put our minds and our hearts on earthly things, on temporal things, but on heavenly and eternal things. We want to be truly sons of the resurrection. Sons of God. We want to serve you. We want to fear you. We, want to, we, we don't want to run away when you correct us. We want to draw towards you. We want to receive your counsel. We want to make choices based upon the counsel that we receive and choose the company that we will be a part of and be in a place where you will propel us to finish that which you have started in our lives. At a place, O oh Lord, which will finish that which has started, which has been started in our lives. Not let the job be half done. We'll finish, Lord. Like David, fulfill God's purpose in his generation. To that end, I pray that you would bless our church, us as a church, especially here, that you would anoint us even as we go about into a new week, that we'll truly be extensions of your, of, of you, O oh Lord, in our workplaces. That we'll be truly witnesses in our workplaces. Witnesses of God. The witnesses of the resurrection. A people who have life. Yes, we may be the aroma of death to those who are perishing. But an aroma of life who are being saved. But who is sufficient for these things, O oh Lord? Except you make us sufficient, O oh Lord. 
Therefore, Lord, empower us with your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, O Lord. Anoint us afresh this morning. And send us, O Lord, into this world so that we will be truly aroma of Christ. A letter, an epistle that people, that people will read. And they will ask the reason for the hope that, which is, that is in us. And we will be able to give them an answer with meekness, with gentleness, and with fear. Bless us, O Lord, as a church. Equip us. Give us a heart back for souls, O Lord. Give us a heart, O Lord Jesus, to, to reach out to people, even in our own homes, in our own spheres of influence. That we will not hide this treasure that you have given to us. Treasure in earthen vessels. But we will be able to share these words. Your word says, O Lord, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. And I pray, Father, that each one of us will be those feet which is able to take the gospel into this place, into our workplaces. And Lord, to bring forth the aroma of Christ in our places of our influence. Bless us to that and I pray. Anoint us as a church afresh this morning. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. God bless you.